Welcome to the English Weekly Podcast, brought to you by 9.09er English, where you get your dose of useful insights and practical tips on how to improve your English. My name is Irvin, and with me today are two of our senior lecturers, Philip and Brian. For the first two episodes, we had lovely discussions on how to improve our writing and speaking, sharing our experiences on how we ourselves got better in these two skills. In this episode, we'll dive into an aspect of language that quite a number of people find difficult, whether they are writing or speaking, and that is grammar. So let's jump right into it. First things first. Why is it that a lot of people have the impression that English is for the upper class, for the rich, for the privileged, and when they start to learn more about grammar, they give up even before making the first step, thinking that, oh, it's just reserved for those with the resources. How come people have this kind of impression? Well, first of all, I think that because there is truth to the impression that it is only those who are privileged in life who do have access to superior education, support at home, um, all of the luxuries in life that afford them um the opportunities to learn better and there in for example the poor whose parents maybe are overworked don't get to send their children to good schools maybe the quality of instruction that they receive aren't that great and this is reflected in the different language abilities of of people as as they grow up and then and when they become adults and this creates a very dangerous um, belief that indeed english is for other people not for me but in i think that this prejudice is something that can be that we can do something about uh, mm, if we believe definitely. that we can do it that we too that success also belongs in our story that we can triumph over our circumstances rise above them then english is we realize that english is just like any other skill that it is learnable and it can belong to us as well oh well yes that's that's very much true but i also think that here especially in our country english is seen to be a language only for the elite for mm. the reason that we look up to people who speak in english mm. we are heavily and largely a colonized nation mm. so most people who know how to speak english are thought to be members of the upper class mm. so um Yeah, it's not really a very positive thing mm, and uh, that makes English inaccessible to some people because mm. they feel like, oh, I don't belong to this strata, strata. or this particular social <laughs> class. So I, I wouldn't want to bother learning English because it's not for me in the first place. It reminds me of the Illustrados during Rizal's time, during colonial <laughs> times, like only they could speak Spanish. That's correct. Yeah, yeah mm. and, and Exactly what's happening right now. Exactly. That's why we established that. To debunk the misconception mm. that, oh, English is not for me. In fact, English is for everyone. And if you look at the benefits that you're going to get out of this in the future, who knows, this might be the one that will save your family from the current situation you are in, as obviously English examinations are needed when you go to first world countries like US, UK, Ireland, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Now, this is not to say that It's not really happy if I'm going to stay in the Philippines for the rest of my life. It's just that, who knows, there might be better opportunities if you just check which kinds of options are available overseas. Now, we are able to debunk that misconception, so let's get down to it. Mm-hmm. 
what is the first step if you want to improve your grammar? Because obviously, you need to start with like step one or establish a baseline. Coach Brian, Coach Philip, what would you like to suggest to our listeners? As well, for me, I think it's very important that people know first what their level of English is and mm-hmm. where they're actually standing at this time. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't even know what kind of English they have, then it's going to be very hard for them to improve. Hmm. I agree. Um, understanding our reality um, and knowing what problems we have, indeed, Sir Brian, is where we should start. I guess the only thing I can add to that is that the first step in learning grammar is believing that you can. Because some people give up even before they start trying because they get overwhelmed with all of the things that they have to learn. That's true. Yeah, I... I to share, I'm trying to learn French now, and mm-hmm. it is a totally different language, <laughs> and know. it's crazy. It drives me insane because it's something totally alien to what I've always known. And I imagine this is the experience of anyone who's trying to learn a new language or trying to learn a language that they sort of know, but not really. Mm-hmm. So the first step is believing that you can because you, um, if you've already given up, then there is no, then the battle is already lost. My insight, my take from Sir Philip's idea, confidence is such a powerful aphrodisiac. You cannot convince other people that you can if you yourself don't believe that you have the capacity to improve. Now, we have identified the first step and that is to identify the baseline, your current level of of proficiency in English, at the same time, believing that you can actually make it. Now, It's time to focus on the common areas of difficulty. Well, we've been teaching English in the last 15 years. That's why we can easily pinpoint which of the aspects of grammar most of our reviewees are having difficulties in. So, is it subject-verb agreement, consistency of verb tenses, pronouns, prepositions? Perhaps we start with subject-verb agreement. Uh, Coach Brian, Coach Philip, what do you notice are the typical mistakes why a lot of our students have difficulties with subject-verb agreement? Oh, well... Probably because a lot of people do not know how to identify what's singular in the first place or what's plural. And it's quite complicated in the English language because there are certain words that might sound singular, but they're plural and vice versa. So it can be very tough for people. They know the basic rules, but when it comes to these complexities, Mm -hmm. when they have longer sentences, for instance, or if they have very... uh complicated subjects like compound subjects and sorts it's very hard for them to figure out which verb to use how about you sir philip what do you think oh yeah they the this complexity this confusion i think also partly stems from the fact that in our native language at least for filipinos this there's no such thing uh there is no <laughs> such thing as uh the rules for some singular and plural oh, like yeah. the verb remains Correct. the same whether it's singular or plural in filipino and i imagine in many other dialects in the philippines so having to mix and match these different rules these different um um, commands when mixing of what do you call this the grammar rules in uh-huh. our heads because Filipinos are by default uh, bilingual and a lot of us are polylingual multilingual and all of these um, clashing sometimes conflicting uh, rules they they confuse people oh yeah 
Let's talk about subject-verb agreement. The reason, perhaps, why the others are not able to make their subject and verb agree with each other is because they always look at the word before the verb, thinking that this is the subject of the sentence. Sometimes in English, it's a little more complicated because the word before the action word is what? Like an object of the preposition, but not the subject. It's important to identify the subject because it's the subject that determines the verb. And where do we usually find the subject? Not always the word before the verb, but sometimes it could be there in the beginning of the sentence. So for subject-verb agreement, lesson number one, Learn how to identify the subject because your subject will determine the verb. Now, let's move on to another area of difficulty, and that's consistency of verb tenses. So, Coach Philip, earlier you've mentioned that your grade one teacher or your high school teacher told you that you're time traveling from Mm. past tense to present tense. So, tell us more about (laughs) these verb tenses. When 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 I when I speak or when we speak at least I that when I'm talking in the past I sometimes forget am I talking from the past or I'm talking from the perspective of the present uh, speaking about the past it's confusing for me and this is something as I mentioned in our previous episode I didn't notice I was making mistakes it totally flew under the radar for me. And I think that the difficulty there is there are different tenses and um, being precise with where you are in the timeline, it takes focus. It took focus for me. and But when I started paying attention, everything started falling into place. Mm. There are so many tenses, past, present, future, simple, progressive, perfect, perfect, progressive. It can be overwhelming with all of these technical yeah, tenses. Yeah, especially for us because... Yeah. Technically, in the Filipino language, we only have three tenses. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Past, present, and future, I right? Know, right? And in English, we have how many? 12? At least. <laughs> so all of this code switching is like yes. uh, confusing. Past, perfect, yeah, like past progressive. progressive. Perfect, progressive. These don't exist in the Filipino language. Ah, we only speak in yeah. past, present, and yeah. Uh, future. Yeah. And, and I think part of the reason as well is because we don't need to be that precise when we are speaking conversationally. When, when we use English, at least for most people in my imagination, is that they do it casually, informally. And they, there is little need to use a future perfect progressive tense in everyday conversation. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are out of practice with these more esoteric um, sort of like uh, grammatical rules. And that's part of the reason why um, people make mistakes. So knowing that a lot of people find perfect progressive, past perfect, complicated, what is your suggestion for someone who is a little bit frightened Mm. with the complexities of tenses? The tense of the, the tense that you should use depends on when the action happens. You begin with that. Nouns do not have tenses. Um, uh, Pronouns do not have tenses. It is only verbs that do. And verbs are action words. So when you're thinking of tenses, just try to determine when did this happen. And the different tenses, the more complicated ones, um, you can use it in a certain order. Like you use the past perfect tense. Mm-hmm. If, a first, if a past action happened before another past action. So it's usually helpful to have a timeline. And all of these complexities, they can um, be confusing. So it's useful to just write it down at the start, draw a timeline, and then um, that's what I do in class. And I've 
found it very helpful when people can visualize um, when things are happening when you use the different dances. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, to add, I would probably advise people, especially those who are not yet very skilled with the use of tenses, to start with simple ones first oh, and yes. uh, probably yes. make use of time elements yeah. so that they would know exactly when the event happened mm-hmm. initially mm-hmm. and they can progress from there because some people get scared when they see all of the 12 tenses oh, yeah. that's <laughs> and right. they don't that's want right. to study anymore that's because right. they feel very frightened or mm-hmm. threatened when they see so many tenses so they can start with the simple ones first mm-hmm. then progress to something else maybe mm-hmm. Take it one step at a time. Oh yeah, to build on that and, and to not only start simple, but start with what you know. Like if you want to learn the past tenses, uh, learn them in the context of needing to talk about an important part of your life that happened in the past. Like talk about your first love and maybe use the four tense, four past tenses about it. Uh, <laughs> tell me about what kind of day you would like to have in the future. Talk Use the four future tenses for that. Uh, so a lot of people start with subject-verb agreement and consistency of verb tenses. Now that they've mastered those aspects of grammar, apparently there is this aspect which is really quite difficult for most Filipinos, even those with upper intermediate level in English. And that's prepositions. No doubt, oh, a lot oh, yes. of Filipinos oh, have problems with prepositions. I mean, even if we've been teaching for the longest time, there are instances while we are talking, wait a minute. Am I supposed to say in <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. on we do, we do. or yeah. at? But what's the main culprit? I guess it is something to do with our first language. Or, sorry, your first language, <laughs> Tagalog, because it's my second language, first language. coming yeah, yeah. from the indeed. South. Indeed, the problem indeed. with Tagalog, we have this very convenient preposition to use, which is sa. Uh-huh. But in English, sa is at, sa is on, sa is in, sa could also be to, depending on the usage. So... What are your suggestions if someone wants to have a better understanding of using these prepositions? Well, I think it's very important to know first the types of prepositions because there are so many prepositions in the English language. Mm -hmm. In our language, at least in our first language, Philip, we only have one, which is sa Sa. and... um, do we have any other so, you know preposition? I don't really think I, we I, have I, a lot. We don't think about th- that's the thing when the language is already part of how you communicate. You don't think about the rules. Yeah. It just happens. Mm-hmm. It's 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 as natural as breathing. Yes. and that's why uh, what, especially for people who are approaching English uh, from an outsider's perspective, from the outside looking in, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But I think that the key to learning prepositions is to just get used to it. At the start, you have to focus and you're going to be slow and you're going to have to take down notes. But when you repeat them again and again and again, just like magic, one day, you're going to start using it correctly without knowing why. But you're still going to make mistakes. We make mistakes. The three of us still make mistakes. Every day. Every single day, even in the course of this podcast, (laughs) perhaps. Uh But it doesn't get in the way of um, communication. Yes. And the willingness to make mistakes. Um, knowing that you're not always going to get it right, and no one always gets it right, um, um, I think makes a whole difference. M- makes a difference there. Yes, I think that's sort of like the mindset of people. They have to be very accepting of uh, new information. They have to be uh, trainable 
teachable <laughs> because if they are very close-minded and they don't want to expose themselves to these rules, then there's nothing. That, there's nothing there. Nothing's going to happen to them. Apparently, there is a significant difference between grammar in writing versus grammar in speaking. Because in speaking, there is no capitalization, there is no punctuation, and the use of apostrophe is something that you don't think about in speaking. These are aspects which candidates, reviewees, or students have to think of when they write. So, what are your suggestions regarding capitalization, punctuation, use of apostrophe, and so on? I would have to offer the same advice. You get used to it. Sit down, take down notes, make a deliberate effort to use them in your writing. It's going to be artificial and um, slow at the start, but like magic, you're going to be faster one day and you're gonna, it's going to be a natural part of how you communicate your thoughts. I think in my case, what really helped was to read a lot, especially for oh, yes. writing. Oh, yes. Because by reading... I get to see how these punctuations are used, how words are properly capitalized, and not just reading, probably copying or probably writing in the same way as a particular author. That will help in getting more familiar with the kind of usage for these punctuations. I owe my English a lot oh. to my elementary and high school English teachers and to my school. So shout out to <laughs> my grade six, a uh, grade five and grade six English teacher, Miss Delia Harina, my high school English teachers, Miss Perfecto Aromarate, Miss Teresita Adriano. All three of them are teachers of the University of the Immaculate Conception in Davao City. If I may say this, I think we have a very strong foundation of English because for most of my batchmates who took the IELTS, because if I'm not mistaken, there are around 40 of us in class, more than 30 are nurses. And look at where they are right now. Majority of them are working as nurses in the US, UK, Australia. And what's the reason why they were able to work there? Precisely because when they took the IELTS, most of my classmates and batchmates got 7 to 7.5 in writing, which is obviously the most challenging component of this examination. So my advice, if you want to become better in writing or in speaking, you have to be patient because progress does not happen overnight. Just because you enroll in a preparation course right now doesn't mean that tomorrow your English will be as clean as a whistle. It's not going to happen just like that. So... For parents out there, spend more time with your kids. Talk to them in English. Don't worry if they are they they are not going to master it overnight. It will take time, but with patience, you will get there. What about you, Coach Brian? Coach Philip, would you like to greet your elementary and high school <laughs> English teachers and also your high your school yeah. and oh, elementary yeah. and high school? Sir Brian. I, I can't recall all of them, but <laughs> I, I can remember a few names. Mr. Yeah. Balatbat, uh, Ms. Burano, <laughs> Mrs. Chambers. I can recall only a few. I, I studied in Marist School and... Uh, most of my teachers were really very good. So shout out to all of my English teachers out there. Yeah. They did a great job in honing and molding us to become better English communicators. Oh yeah. I know that Sir Philip is not that good with names, but can you still oh, remember yeah. your elementary <laughs> and high school English teachers? A few uh, stick to mind, definitely. Uh, shout out to Mrs. Um, Sylvia Pagsanghan Aldana, my first year English teacher 
who gave me high marks, even though I submitted some of my essays late. But she couldn't <laughs> find it in her heart to give me a low grade because of the beauty of my writing. I would never forget that, ma'am. Thank you very much. One thing more. It's not always praises, right? Because the purpose of the teacher is to identify your strength, your weaknesses. I won't mention her name, mm. but to my AH1 Arts and Humanities 1 professor from the University of the Philippines who gave me 2.5 in uh, in English 1. So if you could only imagine how low 2.5 is. She was actually my motivation. So I told myself I'm not going to stop until I bleed. Bleed if I must, but I have to work on this one. And guess what? I, I don't really think she took it personally because the following semester, she was still my English teacher. But for AH2, Arts and Humanities 2, which is our English 2, she gave me 1.5 the following semester. So that's a considerable increase <laughs> in just a matter of what? Uh, in a few months' time? Now, for our last part of this grammar episode, Coach Brian, Coach Philip, any last words of advice or tips for the average people, those who are exposed to our podcast session? How can they be better in English? Practice. Constant, correct practice, as Irvin likes to say. You have to first learn it. Uh, you have to copy it. And if you keep doing it again and again, it becomes a part of who you are. Grammar is sounds technical and overwhelming. But if you are convinced that if you know the grammar, you will be able to tell better stories. You will be able to tell the full story that you want to share, then you can see how important it is and you will be convinced of the value of putting in the hard work and the time to learn it properly. So, Brian? I definitely agree with that. Is there anything else that I can add? Of course. <laughs> of course. Well, I think for people who are just starting out, don't be so overwhelmed and don't be discouraged because you have to take everything a step at a time. Mm -hmm. You don't want to rush things. Nothing mm -hmm. happens overnight. So you have mm -hmm. to really put in the work. Mm -hmm. And I promise it will improve and it will get better. And before you know it, you're already an excellent communicator in English. Couldn't have said it better. What a productive 22 minutes. Guys, I can't wait for our next episode because we're going to focus on that aspect where I admit I'm really poor at, and that's vocabulary and lexical resource. So guys, we'll see you in seven days. Thank you. Thank you.